Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. From Live in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about challenging kids and how we can help them. Hello there. Welcome to today's program. I'm sorry to report that this is our second-to-last collaborative problem-solving at school of the year. Hard to believe the school year has gone by, well, maybe some of you don't feel this way. The school year has gone by rather quickly, especially as it relates to the airing of this program. But the educators I've been speaking to these days don't necessarily feel like the school year has gone by quickly. A lot of people tell me they're running on fumes by mid-May, sometimes even by mid-April. Maybe even some of the to- folks at Anytown High School feel like they're running on fumes. We'll we'll find that out in a minute. We're going to spend our last two programs today and next Monday's program um, talking with the uh, very good folks at Anytown High School who have been um, diligently trying to implement the collaborative problem solving and bravely letting us listen in to their efforts to do it. Um, So probably no callers uh, during this week or next. Um, If you do have a question or comment, always, as always, you can submit one using the contact from the Lives in the Balance website, and maybe I'll save a few minutes on our last program to um, cover any final questions that I get between now and then. Um, But in the meantime, let's bring our uh, friends at Anytown High School on the air. I understand that we are short a few people today because of, uh, well, because of something that's going on in school today. How are you all today? Good, thank you. Good. And um, we have a little bit of an agenda today. We want to spend some time talking about um, how we want to think about getting more people um, involved in learning about this, especially for next school year. Um, And that's a very common discussion that is held frequently uh, three or four months in. Once the core group in a building is starting to get good at collaborative problem solving, starting to feel a little bit more comfortable with it, uh, naturally the uh, discussion then turns to 
how are we going to help other people in the building do this? Because what's interesting is once a group of people start implementing collaborative problem solving in a building, it becomes much more obvious who's not implementing collaborative problem solving in the building and therefore who might need to be included in the effort here. Um, do you all want to talk? I'll leave this completely up to you. I have no strong preference here. Do you want to start by talking about that, or do you want to start by updating us on some of the um, students we've been trying to apply collaborative problem solving to? Your call. Uh, this is Wilfred, I, and I'm thinking let's let's uh, let's talk about the students first, if that's okay with everybody, and then yeah. and then we might extrapolate from that into well, how we're going to do this on a broader scale. Let's do it. We have two kids we've been talking about so far. Wh which one do you want to tell us about? Oh, let's start with um, Connor. Sounds good. Well, Connor uh, is this uh, young man who uh, he's uh, uh, quite bright enough. Uh, he's, I don't think he's off the charts, but he's uh, certainly capable mm -hmm. uh, skill-wise and uh, background-wise to be successful. Uh, he, he, we identified his unsolved problems as uh, uh, not finishing his work, mostly, um, and also assuming he knew things that he didn't really know, and so you know he would uh, not give them uh, due attention. So um, we met. This is just a kind of a summary for your other listeners. Uh, so we met with him and. Um, had a, a very good interaction with him, and he came up with what his problems were, which we agreed with, and we made a plan of how to resolve those. And it's uh, been been going, generally speaking, been going very well. There was a silent little signal that his teachers were to give him if he was uh, not paying attention, just tapping on his desk. And uh, his math teacher here reports that it's working. Yeah, Connor is doing excellent in class getting great marks on his quizzes, getting his work completed. Uh, one of the biggest problems that he had was um, difficulty copying information to the board because one of the things he would say was that he already knows that information. But one of the problems that we saw was that if he didn't write that information down, he would kind of lose it over time. So he's been writing the information down, retaining it better, and, and you know, with our little signal of a little tap on the desk, Whenever he gets distracted, he's able to, you know, redirect himself. We did have a, re a report from his science teacher uh, last um, time we were on the air with you, uh, which was that she had noted that he wasn't necessarily, uh, didn't have that skill totally mastered yet. He still tended to um, be sort of not giving sufficient attention to the uh things that he thought he knew already. He wasn't t always taking down his notes. And so we agreed that that was something, we agreed with you that that was something we need to revisit him with, revisit with him. And so um, I, I did. And uh, it was a kind of a news to him that, that he still had a little ways to go on that. Um, but uh, he said, well, let, let, I, I encouraged him to actually talk with his teachers about it and see because he didn't, it, it wasn't sort of ringing a bell with him. But without talking to his teachers, it seems like he's actually, that's been a bit of a wake-up call or something. So um, it, apparently things are going well with him. We're not going to, just. I guess we'll just keep 
monitoring, monitoring touching base with him, and uh, you know, communicating together to make sure that it's he's proceeding as 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 hoped for. Sounds good to me. Um, uh, you know, I, I tend to my um, litmus test for are we done yet? And I don't know if this is well. My litmus test for when we're done is when we feel that we have solved a sufficient number of problems and that we've decided we're either taking a break for now or that we really don't have anything pressing to be working on right now. I'm not a wake-up call guy. I'm a problem-is-solved guy. Um, I think many challenging kids have been woken up lots, but if the problem is still not solved, then, um, well, just to continue the metaphor, they go back to sleep. Um, So my definition of done is we don't really have anything. We we feel like the problems that we worked on with him are solved or at least doing well enough for us to continue monitoring them so as to determine over time whether they're solved. Um, if that's where we're at with him, then I'm good with uh, giving things a break for now. Um, and you know, sometimes we have, sometimes we aren't so hot to solve problems that we never give the solutions of the ones that we've already solved a chance to gel. That that's not ideal. So I got I got no trouble with gelling if that's where you all are at with him. Kind of seems. It seems like that's the way it, it, it may it may be with him. Um, it's so far so good, and there's only been one little real intervention with him, other than the, the little ongoing ones with the tapping of the desk. Um, I, you know, I, I think um, I'm going to touch base as the school counselor with, with, the, with the teachers, uh, you know, um, within the week and just make sure that we're on track. But other than that, if things seem to be fine, I don't see the need for a particular further intervention with with Connor. Sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. How's our friend T doing? <laughs> She's she is like uh, either all all <laughs> everything's great or th- everything's terrible. Mm-hmm. And. Um, that's we wanted to talk with you further about trying to nail down, you know, what what were the actual issues that are causing these uh, steps backward. Uh, she came to me today for for she she likes using this this daily chart to to keep track of how she's doing. She says it helps her remember to stay on, focused in class. Um, because she's going to have to have the teacher sign off at the end of the class. And I guess maybe she uses it at home with a parent. Um, But uh, her English teacher here has something to report that happened today after she came to me for a new blank copy of this daily uh, sign-up chart. Yeah, so this is Rob. So, you know, this was just something that, you know, I hadn't expected out of T. And it was just basically, uh, it was a social interaction where, um, you know, a student was, uh, just basically had a electronic device on her desk and uh, T, for whatever reason, thought it would be a good idea to uh, play a joke on her and hide it and run out of the room with it. And that's kind of where that went. 
And so we've got all the aspects of, you know, we did what we had to do to, you know, to take care of the situation. And, um, you know, she came in and, of course, you know, I wasn't able to address it with her due to it being the end of the day and, you know, and the uh, consequences that it caused. But, you know, it was something that, you know, it was an unexpected turn. You know, and uh, she she thought that it was just a joke and just it was something that was okay to do. And, you know, so that's something that we kind of have to delve into a little bit more to find out, you know, what it was that made her think that was okay and kind of what got her, you know, off of her task, which she was actually doing very well on at the point, and just like the switch, just turned off, you know, turned off the focus switch and moved into this, hey, I'm going to do something really ridiculous right now and, um, you know, see what happens. We all agree that this just didn't, uh, we would not have expected this of her, this particular behavior. And in fact, we all agreed that if the tides had been turned, if this was T's electronic that had been taken, even if it was part of a joke, that she would not have understood it to be a joke. She would have been very upset by it if the roles had been reversed. So here's where I'm inclined to go back to with T. Because, you know, in the therapy business, one of the things that I um, try to caution mental health clinicians about when they're working with families, is the tendency to do what I call ping-pong therapy, which is where we're taking a different unsolved problem every week or every day and working on it because it seems hot at the moment. And the reason I call that ping-pong therapy is because we keep it's the tendency to go back and forth on whatever's hot not ever really getting any of them solved. So what I'm wondering about here with T, way back when T was our first kid that we started talking about, Mm -hmm. we talked about what our high-priority unsolved problems were with T. And um, my recollection is that there were some unsolved problems related to academics, Mm-hmm. but that the rest of the unsolved problems were related to interactions with a particular group of peers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm just wondering if we have entered, you guys would know better, so tell me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm hoping we haven't entered what I might call the ping-pong realm of working with T, where we aren't necessarily working in a uh, systematic way on anything in particular we're just responding to things as they happen on a daily basis and when things are when when an unsolved problem isn't popping up it looks like things are going great but when an unsolved problem is popping up it looks like things are not going great at all so i guess what i want to caution against is dealing with things and this is just as common in schools as it is in outpatient therapy with people who, who um, when the effort isn't as organized as it could be, I guess the big question is, what are we working with T right now on? It doesn't preclude dealing with something if it's hot, but the avoidance of being a ping-pong ball means that there are certain things that we are concentrating on in our efforts to solve problems with T in particular, rather than just dealing with anything hot that comes up on a particular day. Am I making sense? Sure. Yeah. Sure. yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, 
This is Lucy. I have a question for um, the English teacher that uh, I know one of the things that we were talking about with T is with academics, you know, if it's something she feels like she can't do, she breaks down very easily. So I'm just wondering from the teacher's perspective, like exactly what they were doing and exactly what, you know, where did she stop and what was the specific thing that she had to do at the moment of stopping. Yeah, I, th I thought about that too because one of the things is um, it wasn't one of those predictable because we talked about that. We talked about the unsolved problems and being able to predict where things would be, you know, would go askew. And this wasn't one of those situations. You know, so it was basically she was, in, you know, she was engaged in taking a quiz and she was fine with that. And, you know, whatever it was, and like I said, I can't pinpoint what it was, you know, but something changed. You know, and, and that was the thing that we really just haven't had a chance to debrief that one yet. I think a struggle that we've been having with T also is even though she likes to talk to us, she doesn't necessarily like to give out specific details, so it's very difficult to pinpoint situations mm. with her. Going back to the original problem with a particular group of students from the beginning of the year, yes, we never even necessarily were able to pinpoint with her which students that was or the specific problems she was having with each one. She would always sort of generalize with us. These people, those people, when they do this, they do that, but it wasn't a specific situation. It was a generalization. And I think that we're just seeing a continuance of that and in her sort of change in social behaviors recently, like that outburst that she had that resulted in her getting a behavior chart and saying, I just do tea and all of these things. I think it's because, you know, we're trying to help with an unsolved problem, but she, like, we don't know how to get this kind of information from her, those specific details of the social interaction that she's not willing to put right out like she is most of the time with other things that are more general. And I remember that, I'm remembering now what one of the things we wanted to talk about today, which was when we get stuck in drilling for information. Didn't I get an email from you somebody did. in your group. <laughs> yes, yeah. you did. Saying, what do we do when a kid says what? Um, because, um, you know, it would be, it might be hard to tell whether it's um, T being reluctant to disclose information or us having difficulty extracting that information, even though T might be willing if we are asking asking questions in a certain way. Mm -hmm. What I'm trying to do is find, um, but I'm not finding the email in which these things were brought up, so I apologize for that. Um, I, I have them in front of me, if that's helpful. Uh, let's do it. So some of the things that pose challenge are things when she says, well, that's just the way it is. I don't do that. So, like, if we say something and trying to help her understand our perspective, she can, you know, come back and say, well, that's not true. I don't do that. And does it very matter of fact? She'll say things like, I don't deal with people who come like that at me. Um, or it is what it is, and that's just what I do. Like Got those it. are typical responses. 
So those sound like showstoppers, but I, I like to say there's no such thing as a showstopper, just what feels like showstoppers. It is what it is. Well, he's, she's stealing that one. That's that's Bill Belichick <laughs> right there. Right. We'll have to tell her that next time. <laughs> well, that's that's probably how I'd respond to her. I'd say, come on, T, you got to be original here. Um, Bill Belichick has it is what it is, although I must say I use it is what it is frequently as well. But it is what it is feels like a like a showstopper, yes? Like it is what it is is basically a way of saying uh, there's nothing we can do about it, so why are we talking about it right now? That's that's kind of her the way she presents is like I am what I am, I do what I do, and that's that's the way it is. Right. And so, as opposed to, as opposed to Connor, mm-hmm. who's very willing to try to modify his behavior, if things are going fine with her, she doesn't even want to talk about any of the issues that have, have plagued her uh, periodically. And if things are going terrible with her, it's hardly hard to even talk with her because she's just blowing off steam. Right. So I'd, I'd rather talk to her when things are going well. Right. And and quite frankly. Um, See if we can navigate our way past the things T is saying, and T is not alone in this. It's this is not an uncommon scenario where a kid who, either because they don't have any solutions, or because, or, or you know, it's beyond them that there might be a solution to this, or because we haven't talked, it's not something that they've spent a lot of time talking about before, or because they don't feel very optimistic about the probability of success on something to say it is what it is, or um, we really can't do anything about that one, but uh, or to minimize it as a problem because they are already, you know, protecting themselves against the likelihood that this problem is going to continue. Yes? So I guess the big question is, what do we say to T when she says something like, it is what it is? Right. And my usual response to something like that is, well, Yes, that is what it's been. The question is, what's really going on with it? And uh, is there something we could do about it that we haven't done about it so far? Now at least I've moved it off of the cliché realm, because let's face it, it is what it is, is a cliché. Sure. But... It's a show-stopping cliche. And there's other things kids say that stop us dead in our tracks but don't have to, like it's just too hard or I just don't want to do it, leaving us adults with, oh, man, what? Do, now what? Right? It's kind of like the kid just ended the discussion. But quite frankly, the discussion is just beginning. We're, we're Just because the kid is making us feel like the discussion's over – doesn't mean the discussion is over. It just means we need to drill further. So I'm going to run through the components of drilling here, and let's see if any of them make sense. And I think I know which one I'm going to pick here, but here's the five components of drilling. Number Component number one is asking questions beginning with the words who, what, where, and when. And I don't know if that applies. Another, and this might apply, is asking about why the unsolved problems happen under some conditions and not others. Some days and not others. 
some circumstances and not others. I think we might go back to that one. Uh, drilling number three is breaking the unsolved problem down into its component parts. Uh, you know, there's various things that involve components, but kids don't really think in components. Writing has components. Reading has components. Social interactions has components. Getting ready to get, getting ready for the end of the school day has components. So different things have components. Sometimes a kid will say something that feels like it's ending the conversation when they're having trouble thinking about the different components of a problem, so they just sort of throw in the towel and, and they feel like they're ending the conversation. A, a fourth one is to ask the kid, the student, what he or she is thinking in the midst of the unsolved problem. I might come back to that one, too. Numbers one and three, I'm not sure, are relevant. Two and four could very well be relevant. We'll come back to them. And then drilling component number five is asking clarifying questions and making clarifying statements like, how so? Or, I don't quite understand. Or, can you say more about that? Or, I'm confused. Or, what do you mean? Now, I'm liking component number five on it is what it is. I'm liking component number five on um, it's just too hard. I just don't want to. I like component number five on most show-stopping statements from the student. So here's the interesting thing. I guess I could make assumptions about what it is what it is means, but I'd rather not. I'd rather ask. T, it is what it is. Me, uh, I don't quite understand what you mean. It is what it is. Uh, can you say more about that? Now, we, now the pressure, and I'm not talking about putting pressure on T, but now the onus is on T to explain what a cliché means. And it's always interesting what happens when both kids and adults have to explain a cliché. There's either meat on the bone or there isn't. If there isn't, she's going to say, I don't know. If there is, in which case it is what it is, has sort of dissolved. If there is meat on the bone, it might sound something like this. I don't really see the point in talking about this because I really don't think it's going to get any better. Good, I'm getting traction. Now I've got more questions to ask. Am I making sense? Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Now I want to go back to those other two. I mean, I, uh, as I was starting to go through the components, I was thinking that it was number five that uh, was going to appeal to me the most. But now let's think about numbers two and four. Two mm -hmm. is under what conditions does the unsolved problem occur? And here's what that might sound like with T, especially since you all are saying that T has good days and bad, but I don't know if T thinks about the difference between a good day and a bad, the difference between when she's getting along with some of these kids and when she's not. Um, so I might ask about that. Um, T, and I got that you feel like it is what it is. And the truth is... <laughs> I personally would have trouble not using ingredient number five here because I really hate to let cliches sit there, right? Sort of the dangling cliche, we might call it. <laughs> um, I hate to have the cliches dangle 
where we're all sort of pointing at the cliche and saying, yeah, I know what that means, even though we really have no idea what it means. Know what I mean? So I'd rather not have a dangling cliche. So I would definitely probably use ingredient number five to try to clarify the cliche. But beyond that, you know, once it was cl- clarified a little bit, we might say, but T, you know what we've noticed is sometimes you get along with these girls, sometimes you don't. What makes it so that sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. What's going on when you don't and what's going on when you do? So that would be a um, why under some conditions and not others. That's drilling ingredient number two. And then drilling ingredient number four, asking a kid what they are thinking in the midst of an unsolved problem. I wonder if we said to T. We we missed part of the sentence there, Dr. Green. Did I cut off? Yeah. Hmm. Well, I don't know what to tell you about that, but I'm back, right? Okay, yep. yeah, yes. If I you went with ingredient number four, it would sound like this. T, when you're not getting along with these kids, if this is the one we're focused on, what what are you thinking when it's not going well? But I especially like ingredient number four on what happened today when you decided to uh, take off with the kids, whatever she took off with, uh, to play a joke. What were Mm -hmm. you thinking? Mm -hmm. I like that one a lot for that instance, right? I was Mm -hmm. thinking it would be funny. Okay, tell me more (laughs) about funny. And so now all I'm really worried about here is what what I'm trying to demonstrate is how to get traction when there is a dangling cliché or what we might call a showstopper, when the kid has said something and we're sitting there going, well, now what do I say now? I mean, the kid just kind of ended the discussion. Well, the kid did not just end the discussion, not if we use the component of drilling that will move us past the cliché or past the showstopper and onto something more productive. Does that help? Yes. Yeah. Now, these components are on the Plan B cheat sheet, which is downloadable from the Lives in the Balance website in the paperwork section. What I've been telling people these days is is if I'm trying to do Plan B with a kid who's a a bit of a showstopper, a kid who says things that cause us to feel that this conversation is going to end before it even begins, Mm -hmm. I might have the Plan B cheat sheet in front of me, what I find is that kids are patient with that. Um, it's the adults who sort of have to get over it, so to speak, that they've got a, a, a conversational aid in front of them. Um, you know, the worst-case scenario, T looks at you and says, what is that? And we say, you know, it's something just to help me think of things that will help me understand what's going on with you better. Worst case scenario, she says, can I see? Sure, you can see. Mm -hmm. But I like having a guide in front of me, especially for those sort of of dangling cliches or show-stopping, seeming planned empathy step terminators. Um, Because to tell you the truth, I'm not sure that there is an empathy step terminator. There's just things that feel that way. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's another option. The next time 
and we won't do this on the air. We won't play it on the air. But if you want to, for our last session, have somebody record, audio record, your next attempt at the empathy step with T. Um, offline, I can let you know how to send that to me. You can send it either by email or I've got a technology that you can use. I'll listen to your attempt to do the empathy step with T between now and our next radio program, which is next Monday, and okay. give you give you very explicit feedback on what you were doing without without playing the recording on the air because we don't want to we want T's voice on the air. Um, but if you all want to do that, I'm happy to let you know how to get me the audio, and we can discuss what you did in the empathy step with T in our next session, which will be our last okay. for the year. Okay. Good. What I'm finding is that those five components of drilling really help, number one, people who are struggling to drill in the first place, but especially when we come up against a uh, student like T who often says things that make it seem to us that we can drill no further when, in fact, we're all, we've only just begun in the name of a, uh, to mention a famous tune. Now now I'm dating myself Dr. like we've only just begun. Dr. Green? Yep. Uh, knowing T a little bit, she may refuse to be recorded, just so that you know. If she refuses, then that's fine. Um, you all will have to have excellent memories for what you said. Um, but let, and, and you'll want to get per, all the usual permissions um, to record whatever you all have to do in your building to record something. Um, but if you can, the, the best coaching I can provide on doing Plan B, especially the empathy step, is actually listening to people do it. Um, so let's see, maybe she'll surprise us. Mm-hmm. I personally think. Our, I, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say I, I think it's not such a bad thing that there's the occasional uh, incident that arises because it gives us uh, a, a talking point. Um, because since she uh, tends to be so reluctant to engage in addressing her her issues and her outstanding unsolved problems, uh, you know, unless something's come up. Well, and that's. And that's the part I can't quite tell is whether we are having trouble. I want to make sure that we are drilling well. Right. And dealing well with dangling cliches and show-stopping statements before we come to the final conclusion that T is one of those kids who can only talk with us if something has happened recently. Mm-hmm. I can't say that I'm convinced of that yet. Well, I think that you running through these components of drilling with us is going to get, definitely give us some some grist for our interactions with her. Good. Shall we spend our last few minutes um, talking about how to expose other people in the building to this? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Where to begin? <laughs> I'm betting you have some people in mind, yes? 
Well, we're not the students, sure, but we're thinking, I think, more of the staff. How how to engage because you know this is just one one little one team or one and a half teams here and we have uh, about five teams in the school. So one thing would be for us to identify our, our other students and we we sort of have a, a, a somewhat of a handle on, on how to proceed with that. Um, although I think we could use some help with streamlining the process. But then there's a question of, uh, of, of promulgating this th throughout the school. Well, I know that you have two grades. Mm -hmm. Right. My my inclination is to um, start small. How small? Well, I guess I would give some thought to whether you want to do it by kid or by teacher or by grade. Or well, we have teams. Would would that be logistically? I mean, perhaps maybe that might be a better approach, like by teams. Like, because I know, like when we started this process with you. When we chose T, it seemed to make sense because many of the members that were in this cohort were a part of that team. And so that seemed logistically to make sense because we all have common planning time. We all, you know, would see each other throughout the day and could revisit and talk as a team, pull her, um, that kind of thing. So maybe like a team. Um, I'm not picky. It's really a matter of what's, you know, there's there's a few options here. One is to keep it relatively small still and mm -hmm. expand slowly. Another is to begin bleeding the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems and the Plan B flowchart mm -hmm. into um, our everyday practices in our building. Okay. Not necessarily because we want people who've never done Plan B in this lifetime to start trying, because we would need to give thought to how, in the same way that we've done it in our group, uh, how to bring them up to speed on this. The question is, is there something to be said for introducing the ALSIP into our meetings as mm -hmm. a mechanism for trying to understand the kids who we're most concerned about just mm -hmm. so that people start to become accustomed to the language mm -hmm. and the concepts um, while, in, while helping a more, uh, a more finite number of people start to get some experience in using Plan B. Do, do you think that it would be possible that early next year you would be able to come and speak to our staff and we can we and can certainly talk about that offline. I'm I'm okay. happy to do that. Um okay. as well as the degree to which you all want to consider um continuing this into next year. Mm -hmm. Um but that's that's stuff we can talk about offline. Okay. We because we are in teams, I think 
a lot of the time we think in terms of teams, like should we have all the teachers involved, this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. How do you foresee us breaking down the actual plan B? I mean, obviously, when we meet during our common planning time, a large part of that is conferring about the students, trying to determine a real personality profile for the kids throughout their classes as a team. But from what I've learned through our sessions with you, the plan B is sort of more personal, like one or two teachers with the kids. And how do we work that with within like a team setting so that other people can become aware of the plan with the kid without the kid feeling like everybody's in on it and maintaining that intimacy of the actual plan B experience while still get letting everybody be involved. So I want to make sure I understand the question. Um, Like how many how people do we do get involved and how do we get everybody to understand the plans for this particular kid to help with their problems while still keeping it personal? Well, what well I, I think that we check out with the kid. Yeah. What, um, because I think that there are some solutions that by their, by definition will require that other people know about them. And we'll have to let the kid know that, you know, it sounds like, you know, we need to pass this along to others who may also be involved in the solution um, and at least want to know. That's, that is, in fact, what we did with, with Connor. The, the three of us met with him and agreed that, you know, what were some of the solutions um, and that he was going to implement with those two teachers, but then he has, uh, you know, four other teachers. And so I said, well, what about if I put this in a little email to your other teachers, uh, you know, identifying what you felt were, were your unsolved problems and some of your potential solutions that would necessarily, according to the plan, involve uh, actions on the part of those teachers, like the reminders, the tapping on the desk and the stuff. And he said, fine. So I wrote them all an email, and then I gave him a copy of it. And, and that just to the, the point of the original point, which is um, how do we clear it with the kid that this intimate conversation and solution needs to be shared with others? And I personally think that that's something that would be part of the discussion with the student that well, we would need to yeah. share this. Right, yeah. absolutely. And it's, it's pretty easy with him. Some some more sensitive things might be harder with other kids, but with him it was it was just um, very straightforward. It's like, well, it looks like we're going to have to involve your other teachers in this. How should we do it? How about, a, you know, we work with emails a lot in this school. So he was, he was totally, absolutely 100% okay with that. Great. I, guess I think that's also, how it's – go ahead, sorry. I guess also my question is kind of how many people should we be getting involved? Because when we first tried this program without having spoken to you, everyone read the book and we were all supposed to be gung-ho going at it, picking kids, and it just fell apart. I don't want this to fall apart. So Yeah, I think last year it was just a little bit more broad and there was many students being selected for Plan B because we do have a, a lot of students that need Plan B, but I think – I like your idea of kind of starting small. Maybe each team could target, you know, one 
like the beginning of the school year could target one student for the month of September and, and, and harness their energy on that one student until everybody is really, um, you know, comfortable with Plan B. I don't know. But see, I don't know if everybody needs to be comfortable. Like if we have Plan B specialists, is it okay to refer a kid to them? Does it have to be a certain teacher? I just want to know how, like, well, I think I, yeah. I think we're going to continue the discussion next time. I personally just to just to seal the deal on today because we're about to run out of time as as we frequently do. Um, I'm not big on I'm I'm okay on Plan B specialists as it relates to the goal of getting everybody in the building good at it because and I would call them mentors or coaches, just people who've come along and have been trained early who can help other people come along as well. But in the buildings, I find that having somebody who does all the plan B in the building tends to have other people looking to those people for problems to be solved. And then everybody's just looking to that person. It's kind of the role of the assistant principal in many buildings, except now the assistant principal or whoever the plan B person is is the one doing plan B. I think that the goal is to have everybody in the building getting good at plan B. There might be some people in the building who are good at it sooner than others, but um, those are just people who are going to be helping everybody get good at it because that's the ultimate goal. But that On doesn't that note, mean everyone has to do it. That's correct. Let's continue the discussion next time. Yes, sounds great. Right. Thank, you. Thank you. On that note, we're going to call it a day for collaborative problem solving at school. Talk to you next week for our last one of the year. Take care. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.